Hi there. Welcome to Summer Together Podcast. I'm Tommy Williams with Jack Levison from Southern Methodist University. He teaches Old Testament and Hebrew uh, at Perkins uh, School of Theology there at SMU, and we're really glad to, to join together in a conversation again over the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis is the Old Testament reading for the lectionary readings uh, through Sunday worship throughout the summer here at St. Paul. So if you're in town in Houston, come to worship uh, on Sunday morning and you will uh, hear this, these readings read. Uh, this, this study over podcast is about 20, 25 minutes, Jack, that we're enjoying each and every week uh, that gives you a chance to uh, study the scriptures wherever you may be this summer. Uh, we know that during the summertime, we all sort of scatter to the winds lots of different commitments with family and the rest, um, but this gives us a chance to stay, connect, stay connected together, so we're glad for you to be listening. Jack, it's great to have you again. Thanks. I do want to say, I think this is a great idea for gathering people uh, to use technology in this way. I think it's inventive. I think it's significant, so I am delighted to be a part of this. You know, it's a great church, Jack, and they... Uh, are really this community is really a community open to experimentation in order to uh, to share the gospel and to um, to be a Christian community together and so uh, to reach back into Genesis is, is a lot of fun with you so thank you um, we left off last week if you listened uh, the story of Joseph and uh, Joseph I guess where we left off Jack is that Joseph's in prison uh, Joseph has been thrown in prison falsely accused. And uh, during prison, he his time in prison, he develops a bit of a reputation as a dream interpreter. Uh, this reaches back even to his own dreams, which is kind of what got him into trouble with his brothers right. and his family. Uh, he had these dreams as a kid, which uh, conveniently put him in the position of exalted one. So he has these dreams where <laughs> he's the one that everybody bows down to. Brothers, mom, dad, all of creation you know, bow you know, down to Joseph. It's unfortunate, Tommy. I had those dreams all the time, and I was right too <laughs> my sisters didn't Look. recognize it at the time but now they know and they whenever we get together for family gatherings they bow down right right i believe that yeah yes. that's true yeah look where i got you right there we go so it uh, that's what you got joseph into trouble then and now joseph finds himself although falsely accused in prison mm-hmm. so he's interpreting the dreams of fellow prisoners he's interpreting the dreams finally it makes its way to pharaoh and pharaoh's trying to figure out what all these dreams mean. And so uh, rumor is this this fellow Joseph is interpreting dreams in some sort of way that can be uh, believed. And so um, he gets the opportunity to uh, interpret Pharaoh's dreams and meets that with some success. Uh, just to summarize that a bit, Jack. Meets that with some success. Joseph begins to, well, gain his freedom, rise through the ranks of power in Egypt. Um, and... Uh, there comes a time of famine in Egypt. I mean, I'm jumping really far through the story here, um, so you can feel free to jump back through details that sure. I'm missing. Uh, but there becomes a famine in the land, and that is a, that is all wound up in the dream interpretation. So Joseph is credited with interpreting Pharaoh's dreams that then take care of the nation during a time of famine. Um, and so Joseph is really lauded and responsible for... Um, taking care of the nation by storing up food um, for, uh, for folks during a time of famine. This ultimately leads to a reconnection with his brothers and with his family who are themselves struggling um, and, uh, 
and are provided for uh, in, an, in the sort of indirect way through, through Joseph's, um, Joseph, what do you call it, Joseph's wisdom and care and, and yeah. all the rest of it. So pick up wherever you like, Jack, but that's sort of the fast version of where things have gone. Yeah, well, um, well let's summarize this a little bit, too. Um, so we're at the point where the brothers have come for the famine. Yes. And they don't know it's Joseph. That's right. They don't recognize him, right? Right. So this is in our lectionary text for today. They don't recognize it's Joseph. And what Joseph does is, oh, actually, this is before this, Joseph tricks them, right? Again, tricksters all over Genesis. Yes. Um, and he doesn't let them know it's Joseph himself. That's going to happen in today's text. He sends them back home with provisions to go home. But, wait, is this before or after this? Where are we? Yeah, he sends them back home with provisions, but he puts a silver cup in Benjamin's, the youngest son's, pack. And he says, okay, send them off back home to their father, Jacob. And then they're not far along, and he says to his servant, go ahead and go find them and find the cup that we put in Benjamin's um, pack and accuse them of stealing it from me and bring them back here. Right. So he actually tricks them into coming back. It's kind of like last week, right, where he's falsely accused of... Ha- of- of uh, um, what abusing Potiphar's wife and and they rip off a piece of his clothes or a piece of his clothes rips off in the house which they use as evidence um, that he's done something he did not do right so they plant the evidence on uh, in Benjamin's sack um, in order to try to lure him back if there's one thing we learned it's everybody lies (laughs) I I was listening to a podcast about by a guy who um, wrote a book called Everybody Lies. And the truth be told, I mean, everybody in Genesis is lying. Uh, the perfect ones, Jacob, lies. Everybody's getting deceived. Everybody's being tricked. Even the good people trick each other in Genesis. So let's not be surprised if the world isn't entirely honest, because Genesis is basically saying God's promises permeate, work through, persist, all of this deceit, all of this lying, all of this tricksterism. Don't be put off by it, even if you've become part of it somewhat. So yeah, so we get to the story where they do, they, he's put this, this cup in Benjamin's and they bring him back. Now I do want to take a, take a step back. Two things we know about Joseph between chapters 40 and 45, these, the four or five chapters that precede this. He is in prison, and he becomes captain of the prison guard. He's such a good administrator that they put him in charge of the prison. And we know that he can interpret dreams. He interprets the dreams of the butler and the baker and he gets those right. So we know two things about Joseph. He can interpret dreams, and he knows how to administrate. Pharaoh has this dream of the seven fat, the seven fat cows eaten by the seven lean cows, right. the seven fat sheaves devoured by the seven weak and ugly sheaves. Joseph comes in, 
and he interprets the dream that the magicians in Egypt couldn't interpret. He does a beautiful job of interpreting. He said there's going to be seven fat years and then seven years of famine. And you need to prepare during those good years of harvest for those seven years of famine. Okay. But he does something else. He doesn't just interpret the dream. He actually then tells Pharaoh how to administrate things during the time of both plenty and famine. The two gifts we saw in Joseph in prison, he could interpret dreams and he could lead, he could administrate. We see him doing again in Pharaoh's presence. He interprets the dream, but then he applies that dream to administrative life in Egypt. Mm. It's the two gifts, not just the one. It's not just the dream interpretation, it's that in administration. What we see here in chapter 45, where in 44 and 45, where he puts the the cup in Benjamin and brings the people back. He's showing that ability to administrate, that wisdom that he didn't have when he was 17. At 17, he had a dream. He told them the dream. Everybody hated him. He had another dream. He told them a dream. Everybody hated him. He had no savvy. He had no administrative ability. He could have the dreams, but he didn't know how to make them work in a real-life situation. In prison, he learned that. In front of Pharaoh, he applied that. And now, as second in command in Egypt, he's gotten his brothers to a point where he can now be honest with them. And so he's used his experience in very strong ways to bring about reconciliation. And that's where we come to at 45.1, reconciliation. So he can no longer control himself. It says, before all those who stood by him. And these are these beautiful passages. So he cried out, send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And look at this, all the years of grief. And it brings tears to my eyes, all the years of pain. In verse 2, he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. All those years of discipline, of prison, of being thrown into pits, of service, and it just... It all comes out. Yeah, how would you... I mean, there must be a metaphor or an analogy for this. It's not just floodgates. It's too emotional for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the hole just breaks open, doesn't he? He just breaks open... Yeah, I don't know how the Hebrew renders it, but it is uh, just, you get this sense of wailing and, oh. and uh, you know, some people call that the, uh, that, that wasn't just some teardrops, that was some, uh, that was some ugly crying. <laughs> it's some really ugly crying. He wept so loudly, his voice, he gave his voice just so much. And so Joseph then says to his brothers, I am Joseph. Yeah, he self-discloses, he reveals. Yeah. And then it's, what's his first question? Yeah. Is, is, my, father still alive? Yeah. is my father still alive? I mean, all those years, he's the most powerful person bar Pharaoh in Egypt. And what does it come back to? His family. Yeah. He still loves his family. Is my father still alive? 
Right. He's got power, possession, fame. I mean, he saves the country from famine. He's got gifts, and they're acknowledged, you know, but it comes down to family here for him. I uh, had an omelet this morning, and I got talking to the server. There was no one else there, and we got talking, and he used to work banquets, and I, I know from Chloe, our daughter, who worked at a restaurant in, in Dallas, was a hostess, that the people who work banquets both make good money and spend enormous amounts of time working the banquets. And he said, about a year ago, I think it was, I switched over to becoming a server because I didn't have time with my family. He said they'd want to go to a movie on a Friday night and I had to work a banquet, or they'd want to do something on a Saturday and I had to work a wedding. And he said we'd work from five in the morning till two at night. So he said, now I don't make quite as much money, but I work tables here. Right. And I think Joseph, he's got it all. I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? Yeah, it's not enough, right? It's it doesn't enough. matter stacked up against that. Yeah. No, it doesn't matter. So, and then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And then you can imagine there's like, a, remember we talked about a gap in the story. Abraham, give me your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. We said that that's when Abraham is saying, you mean Ishmael. Or, and God is, you, know, you, can, you can assume there's something here. You can assume there's a gap here. I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Don't be distressed. No matter what they're saying, no matter what they're doing, no matter what, don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. And here it is, Genesis 1. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And through prison and through pits and through all of it, he knows. Remember we talked about being centered, Sarah, if she'd stay centered on the laughter and not looked at Hagar. Joseph has somehow managed to say, stay centered. He's lined himself back up with the promise, right? He understands his purpose, even in, in and through all of the deceit and all of the rest of it. He's been able to preserve uh, this remnant of the earth, preserve for you, right? For you, brothers, father, family, yeah. You know, and you think, Esau was angry, had wanted to kill Jacob, but when the time of reconciliation comes, Esau, where are they? Where do you find Esau? Weeping on Jacob's neck. Jacob weeping on Esau's neck, embracing each other. What do we see now? Joseph weeping on their necks. And they, I think, are weeping on his necks. Look. In verse 14, so he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with, after that, his brothers talked with them. When the kissing was done, when the embracing was done, when the weeping was done, then they talked. It's like Esau and Jacob, families torn apart, 
And then we see them weeping and kissing on each other's And that necks. comes before the talking. <laughs> before the talking. Yeah, before the talking. Even earlier, um, back in verse 3 of chapter 45, the brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Like they could not take it in, right? Beyond words. Uh, so tears and weeping and embracing and all that. And then the conversation comes later. Right? Conversation comes later after yeah. all the tears and the embrace and the weeping are over. And there's no self-incrimination. And then I love the next verse in verse 16 of chapter 45. When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers has come, has, have come. Pharaoh and his servants were pleased. It's lovely. People liked Joseph. He was a good man. I mean, there was affection there for Joseph. There's affection for Joseph. Pharaoh and his servants. Joseph has never lost sight. His first question is, how's my father? His first statement to his brothers, don't be angry with yourselves. He saw a deep sea, saw a purpose within all of that. He saw it. So let's talk a minute in our last couple of minutes of the podcast this week. Let's talk a little bit about that purpose. Uh, he says in two places at least... God sent me before you to preserve life, meaning save the country from famine, right? Save you from famine. Uh, God sent, in verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth. So it was not you who sent me here, but God, right? How are we to read that? Is that just Joseph... Um, looking back at the, how we do in life, we look back at experiences and make meaning out of them and see God in retrospect, sort of working something, working the promise out, working the good out. Um, uh, I know we do that a lot, right? We look back on things and we go, oh, I can see it now, right? But that, but how is that also, I mean, you know, how do we work that out theologically, well, boy, I'm speechless, right? I've been mean, 10 podcasts in, and I really don't know what to say in the face of Joseph's faith. I, I think I would say a couple things. You know, in Genesis 1, the command is, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And sometimes we do because we're commanded. You know, fill the earth. Okay, I'll fill the earth. God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I'll try to love my neighbor as yourself. You know, teach your children. Okay, I'll try to teach my children well. Sometimes you do it because it's a command. Sometimes in Genesis, God kind of drops into the scene and reiterates the promise. Every few chapters, I'm going to make you a great nation and the world will bless themselves. And we've seen that. Yes. We've seen that in, I think, Jacob and the Ladder, right? Yeah. Where it's put right next to this reiteration. of Sometimes we need to hear the promise. And sometimes I think it has to be experienced. I think sometimes you have to know desolation. I think sometimes you have to know uh, loss. I think sometimes you have to experience grief and come out. Sometimes we don't come out of it, but come out and say, I can believe God was a part of that. So sometimes there's a command, Genesis 1. 
Sometimes God reminds us, maybe in a church service, maybe at a camp, maybe among friends, that God's promise is with you. But those are both external. Those are from the outside in. But I think what I love about Genesis, the story ends from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And the promise has been internalized. That promise is Joseph's life. It's not, it's not something he knows he needs to do. I need to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, so give me your maid. You know, give me Bilhah. No. Joseph has understood life without being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth. You don't do a lot of being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth in prison. For years. But he gets it from the inside out. And Genesis starts with the command in Genesis 1. And 45 chapters later, it comes out of the mouth of someone who has suffered deeply and unjustly at the hands of his brothers, at the hands of Potiphar. So he's seen his role then as preserving life. The dreams, the gifts he was given, the administrative gifts and all the rest of it. This is what I did as a part of this story of God and story of us. I've been a part of preserving life because God is about life. And that's the promise, that's the command from the inside out. This has been great, Jack. Thanks. Good discussion. Thanks. Look forward to next week.